0: welcome to the gospel principles edition of mormon sunday school grateful for the chance to be with you today for a lack of a better term i'm your instructor bill real the goal of this uh series is to go through the gospel principles manual i'll put it up here on the screen the gospel principles manual which is a manual within the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints that is used to teach uh, those investigating the church and those who are newly baptized usually the first year of someone being a member of the church and it's a place for them to understand the basic doctrines the gospel principles of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints this particular series and this podcast as a whole is not sponsored by or associated with the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints we simply have a deep interest in mormonism And would like to uh, share the faith of the Latter-day Saints uh, with our audience. Uh, My goal uh, is to be objective. I'm going to share both insider and outsider points of view. My goal is that the investigator or newly baptized person who is watching this will have a very transparent, forthright conversation about what is Mormon doctrine around each of these topics. And uh, we also have a couple of other goals too. But I would say that uh, this uh, series is for anybody who uh, lacks or and wants to know about what is Mormonism, what are the doctrines of Mormonism, specifically the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. But I think it will have application to a broader uh, general Mormonism as well. We we want to we have three goals in each episode, and I will try to keep these episodes as short as possible. Our goals are to inform anyone and everyone who wants to watch this of basic Mormon doctrine and theology. Number two is to help the viewer sense how Mormonism in the present day differs from the Mormonism of the past. Uh, I know that a lot of Latter-day Saints don't like the word Mormon anymore. I just want to note that it's a very quick, efficient way to uh, address what it is that we, who we are speaking to and what we are speaking about. Number three to acknowledge and discuss the deeper doctrines of Mormonism uh, that are often intentionally left out when teaching, uh, and specifically when teaching those who are investigating. I underline that word because that's a word that the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uses, is that when somebody is not a member of the church, but they are looking into it, they are called an investigator, and so often the idea is that those who are investigating the church are the investigators, those who are not members, but are looking into it to see if maybe uh, the LDS faith is for them. And, and also the newly baptized. Again, anybody newly baptized is often asked to attend the, uh, the basic Sunday school course, which is for those who are either investigating or in the first year of their membership. And so with that, we'll jump into it. Um, I will put up here on the screen uh, just to note what I have in each of these, uh, what I have in each of these uh, conversations, each of these episodes, is I will have the Gospel Principles Manual from 1979 on the left, and I will have the Modern Manual on the right. For the most part, they are identical but there are significant alterations, adaptations, changes made in the modern manual versus the one in 1979. And when those happen and they're significant, we will draw attention to them. But generally speaking, I want to note that there is a lot of overlap and I'm lucky in that for the most part, the page, the material on the uh, 1979 older manual versus the one in the modern manual line up so that the same sort of material is on page one of that chapter, page two of that chapter, page three of that chapter, but there will be moments where something will be said on a different page of that chapter than the other manual that we're comparing it to. And so we'll have to just sort of play catch up when we get to the next slide of the next uh, set of these. But I think this will be important as we move along. There's very little, differences in today's chapter, but in future chapters, there will be at times a sentence here and a sentence there, but what is changed or removed or adapted or altered or revised in the newer manual over the the chapters that we will cover throughout the book, those changes are at times extremely significant. And uh, so I just want to note that that's part of what we will do. And so you'll get used to sort of seeing both versions of the manual up on the screen. Our goal here is to uh, approach this offering uh, commentary and insight into those changes and trying to be very balanced, presenting both a insider and an outsider view when tackling uh, each of these chapters. And so chapter one is Our Father in Heaven is what it was called originally. Now it's called Our Heavenly Father. Again, no big deal there. The the main points of this is that there is a God and that God is the ruler of heaven and earth. And I just want to note, like there are some really cool images out there from the uh, James Webb telescope and the Hubble telescope. And as we have a conversation Uh, here in chapter one, essentially Mormonism is going to, like any other religion that posits that there is a supreme being out there in the universe, Mormonism is going to posit that there is a God and that God is the ruler of heaven and earth. And the chapters in gospel principles are going to always share scriptures and will do so if it, uh, I think, is important to the information. But anybody watching this is going to go, okay, I accept that. No big deal. Mormonism believes there's a God and they believe that that God is the ruler of heaven and earth. And I just want to note, like some of these images uh, I think are just so uh, incredibly fascinating. Uh, This is images from the James Webb telescope. And I think some of these are from uh, the Hubble telescope. But when we look out into the universe, like we humans have always been trying to figure out what our relationship is to everything that is outside of us. And for millions of years, I mean, how many religions have been created? How uh, many rituals within those religions and outside of religion entirely have been created because we humans, unlike every other species of animal, we are, have this uh, sort of consciousness that allows us to think about past and future and try to figure out how we are connected to abstract things outside of us. And we're always trying to make uh, meaning. And uh, you know, when I look at the number of stars out there, for instance, the image on the right, often I go out in my backyard and my wife and I will go lay on our trampoline and we'll look up at the sky and you can see a whole host of stars. But even then you can't comprehend how many stars are out there. So just the image on the right And every one of those dots is a star. And they say that almost all of those stars then have planets that are orbiting around them. Uh, It is just uh, unimaginable how much is out there into space that we can't even comprehend. Like we know it's way bigger than us, but we can't even comprehend how big it is. Some of these images are just so beautiful. You know, this one looks sort of like an eye. Um, but it's just a, a collection of energy and and uh, different uh, chemical reactions and different materials out there that create sort of this look. But we humans are always trying to find patterns and trying to figure out what things are. Gorgeous image there. This one almost looks like a hand reaching out into space, um, but that's not what it is. But we humans, again, are always trying to uh, connect the dots and figure out what it is that we're looking at. Sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. Uh, what kind of being uh, is God? The prophet Joseph Smith said, if the veil were rent today and the great God who holds this world in its orbit and who upholds all worlds and all things by his power was to make himself visible. I say, if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form. So Mormonism absolutely very directly teaches that uh, God is in human form. He looks like us. And so I'm going to skip ahead one and then I'll come back here. But uh, to demonstrate this, Mormonism points often to its foundational visionary experience, that of its founder, Joseph Smith, that in the year 1820, uh, one of the accounts of the first vision notes that Joseph Smith saw God the Father and Jesus Christ on his right hand, and that God and Jesus are often portrayed as looking essentially identical to each other, and they look like human men. Uh, They have human form, two hands, two legs, fingers, and uh, toes. They've got all the appendages of, of a human being. They've got eyes in the right place. And so when uh, Mormonism talks about God, it is referencing that God essentially looks just like us. And not only is God a man in human form, but God is also flesh and bone. Uh, Mormons don't believe, Latter-day Saints don't believe, but Mormons more generally, don't believe that uh, God has uh, blood running through his system, uh, they have it being some other sort of energy force that that essentially keeps him alive because blood is part of being a mortal human. Um, but he would have flesh and bone, that he would have uh, experienced life as a man and uh, somehow became exalted or became God. and he looks uh, just like us. And then the last section is this, you know, why should we try to know God or coming to know God? How can we come to know God? And they point to several scriptures which talk about how important it is to both know and to love God. Uh, That, you know, one of the commandments is to love God with all of our heart. And that John uh, 17, 3 talks about that this is life eternal to know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And uh, then they go through the steps of how we can come to know God. And so number one is that we believe that he exists and that he loves us. And this this idea that we have to step into the darkness. We have to start with the assumption that there is a God, because when we start with the assumption as an act of faith that there is a God, we are much more easily going to be influenced by God to feel that influence through spiritual experiences or to experience life in such a way as to go, I can tell that God is looking out for me. And, you know, we have stories like Paul on the road to Damascus, where he sort of stopped in his tracks. We have a story in the Book of Mormon, too, with Alma the Younger uh, being sort of stopped uh, in his tracks. But uh, generally speaking, the church would acknowledge that it's going to come much easier if you can start with some faith and with the assumption that there is a God. The second one is to study the scriptures so by studying the christian scriptures you would come to know the christian god and if you choose to again enact faith in order to start with the assumption that it is a christian god and he is there you then would learn about him Uh, obviously i'm also including uh lds latter-day saint or mormon scriptures as well so there was the picture we talked about earlier uh We talk about how we can come to know god Uh, we can know and understand god if we will do the following things we talked about number one and two there number three is to pray to him so a big part of christianity is that we take some time to pause and sort of quiet ourselves and allow sort of our internal dialogue to reach out to uh, the creator of the universe and uh There's this opportunity within religion generally, but in Christianity specifically, to do a form of meditation, but which is uh, more specifically uh, defined as prayer, where one, uh, again, in the quiet uh, moments of their life, to take a moment, uh, often people will bow down, or specifically, they'll stand up. If everybody's sitting, sometimes that person will stand. If one's alone, they'll often bow down uh, and then extend their thoughts and their voice to the creator of the universe and give him the opportunity to hear one's gratitude and one's requests for what they need in their life. Um, and so that seems to be a pretty commonly understood concept within Mormonism. And then number four, to obey all of his commandments as best as we can. And as we do these things, we will come to know and eventually, we'll come to know God and eventually have eternal life. And then it asks us to ponder what we can do to draw nearer to God. And then there are scriptures there to help us come up with the answers. There's nothing really shocking in this lesson manual, both the modern one and the past one. They have a a ton of overlap. They are almost identical here in chapter one. And so it's actually a really fun chapter to start off with because we're not going to get uh, into any major. Uh, discrepancies there. But to also go along with one of the other points of ours, we are going to discuss what is left out of the lesson that would be important for a person to know in order to make informed consenting decisions about how and what they will believe. Now, in religion, and specifically in uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or the LDS faith, there are counter reasons given for not doing what I'm about to do there is this idea of milk before meat. In other words, when somebody is new and a beginner at something, you don't give them the complicated, comprehensive process. You teach them little principles at a time and you give them a foundation to build upon. There's also these ideas of pearls, don't throw pearls or cast pearls before swine. And that concept is that when people come to learn Mormonism in the beginning, we don't know that everyone's intentions or motivations are pure. And hence, we would not want to get into the deeper doctrines of the kingdom in case there is somebody out there who will misuse or misrepresent that information. And then there are plenty of scriptures that say here a little and there a little, for one not to run faster than they can. And I want to acknowledge those. And I think there are moments in life where those principles really are positive and beneficial here on this uh, series, though we are going to prioritize the viewer being informed. And I'm a big believer in consent. I'm a big believer in transparency and honesty. And I think that when one is uh, at a moment in their life where they are investigating a specific religion, that there are lots of ways in which religions can manipulate people into believing that specific religion is the one true religion. And I would rather people understand is broad a scope of information and know that there's access to information, have an awareness that some of that information may contradict what the religion is teaching them and for them to have a as much information either given to them or made available to them so that they can go into learning about that religion and making decisions about what they will believe and how they will shape their life, uh, being informed and consenting uh, to uh, the decisions that they make. In other words, if a religion obfuscates or withholds information from you and you would not have believed in that religion had you known, then you deserved to have that information before you make the decision. So we are prioritizing uh, the the viewer being informed. And so I'm going to share here as we wrap up the episode talking about the things that were left out of this lesson that Mormonism also teaches And that you, the viewer, I think have a right to understand. So one is that not only is God a human form like us, not only is he for all intents and purposes, is he a human who achieved Godhood and still looks like he was human, that, that there's more to it in Mormonism. Most of Christianity just posits that God has always been God. Mormonism doesn't do that. Mormonism says, look, there are, there is a process by which one becomes God. We on this planet, all of us earthlings, we are, uh, we have the opportunity to jump onto that path or that process. And if we do all the right things, we can become gods. God himself has already done that. So God, heavenly father, Elohim, has gotten to be God by following the rules and the process by which one gets there. At one time, he was a human, and he had to follow the same rules and procedures that we have to follow, and he did it. He achieved Godhood, and now he's up there in the heavens to help us uh, achieve the same thing on this path. Number two, he is not the highest God as how does one achieve Godhood in a vacuum? In other words, if we posit that God has always been God, it raises the question of how could something always be like somehow one would have to get there and Mormonism attempts to answer that question. And so by what, what Mormonism does is says that there were other gods before God became God, there were other gods out there and they helped him on the process Of becoming God. Now, the the trouble is all you're doing is kicking the can down the street. You now have an explanation for how your God got to be God. But eventually, if you go far enough back, you still have to figure out how the original God got to be God. And and so, yes, Mormonism, in a sense, uh, is answering the question. But also, and by the way, if you hear any scratching, I've got a little puppy in the background, uh, Teddy, and maybe at some point you'll get to see him. But uh, He's a member of our family, and uh, he gets to play around too, and I've got to keep an eye on him as we're uh, as we're raising a little puppy here and trying to get him to follow the rules of a house. Um, so, yes, it answers the question of the direct God of which we have to do with, but the questions still exist if we go far enough back, and Mormonism doesn't really have an answer for that. Uh, it just posits that at some point, there was a God who helped somebody become a God again. And uh, it's one of those sort of deep doctrines within Mormonism that we really never in inside a gospel Sunday school class would ever get to the point where we would investigate that question. So Mormonism sort of steps forward with a little bit of arrogance, like, hey, we answer the question that other people don't. But in reality, the question still exists. It's just generations removed. And so Heavenly Father, Elohim, has a father. And so we recognize that also needs to have a beginning point. Um, But the rules of exaltation were already set for God. He also had to follow the rules. Uh, I note that in the second point. And then the fourth one, whether God is the literal father of our spirits or whether he adopted us in our already existing form of being what Mormonism calls an intelligence, they're both backed by differing statements within Mormon theology. Sorry, theology, they're spelled wrong. But the idea is that most of Christianity says that God created us. Mormonism comes in and says, no, we humans existed before this life. And the easiest way to define that as we existed as intelligences we didn't have bodies we came to earth to get those but we existed as intelligences and the question is whether god created the intelligences which some mormon theology suggests and then the other idea is that whether the intelligences already existed and god comes along and goes hey i'm going to sort of adopt you take you take you into uh, my care, and I'm going to help all of you as intelligences progress to the point where you can become gods too. And so whether God sort of organized us or whether God created us, there are two lines of thought in Mormonism, and there is there are quotes and there are scriptural references that can be used to defend and back up both. I also want to note that in Mormon theology, Heavenly Father is a polygamist. I don't want to read necessarily all of these quotes, but I'll read a few of them. Brigham Young, the second president, second prophet, second prophet seer and revelator of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints said, the only men who become gods, even the sons of gods, are those who enter into polygamy. Uh, uh, Journal of Discourses, Jedediah M. Grant, he was second counselor to Brigham Young. A belief in the doctrine of plurality of wives caused the persecution of Jesus and his followers. We might also think they were Mormons. Uh, it's the idea that not only was God a polygamist, but that Jesus was a polygamist. And down in that bottom quote, just the highlighted part, again, Journal of Discourses, Brigham Young. We have now clearly shown that God the Father had a plurality of wives. And so early uh, Mormonism, modern Mormonism just won't touch this with a 10 foot pole. They tend to want to stay away from it. You're not going to find this conversation existing really anywhere inside the correlated curriculum or in the two hour block of church. It's sort of the deeper doctrines that are left by the wayside and not discussed, but you have a right to know that in Mormonism, uh, much of the theology, especially early on, Uh, revolves around the idea that Heavenly Father was a polygamist. Uh, And again, that extends further that Jesus was a polygamist, and it extends further that there are definitive quotes within Mormonism that none of us can achieve godhood and be exalted like God unless we take on the same Uh, sort of agreements that God did, and one of those being that we be a polygamist ourselves. So even though Mormonism doesn't allow polygamy uh, in the modern moment, and by that I mean it doesn't allow a living man to be married to more than one living wife, Mormonism still has in its early history that in the hereafter, you will have to agree to accept and participate uh, in polygamy, at the very least, you'll have to agree to it that you would have lived it if you had the chance to have lived it before you can be exalted and be like God. So there's that. And then there's also a debate on whether God became Adam or not. So in Mormonism or in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, the early teachings have this teaching called the Adam God doctrine. And Brigham Young, claims that he understood uh, and had clarity on the idea that Elohim is our heavenly grandfather and that uh, God came down as Adam. So Michael in the heavens, which is what Mormonism teaches Adam was in his pre-earth life, that he was Michael, that Michael is our heavenly father and that Michael came down and took on a body and was Adam, the Adam from Adam and Eve, and that the Elohim that we refer to as God is actually Heavenly Grandfather. And uh, I'll just note here, I'll say it the way I wrote it, Brigham Young and some early leaders taught formally and officially that Adam was Heavenly Father, that Elohim was Heavenly Grandfather, and the teaching eventually died within official channels, and modern leaders have disavowed the teaching. Modern leaders have disavowed the teaching as false doctrine, but they don't ever deal with the questions that that raises about Brigham Young's uh, competency as a prophet and his uh, ability to discern truth from error. It also raises uh, significant questions about the rest of us who are followers in Mormonism. Uh, if Brigham Young got it wrong, how easy might it be that we think we're right, but in fact are wrong. And there are lots of moments throughout Mormonism's history where prophets, seers and revelators get things dead wrong and people had believed them for decades. And it raises the question of if prophets and those following them were deceived in the past, how could we possibly know for sure that we're right in the here and now and not being deceived when we know by the same standard that they knew. We just believe it different because someone else came along and said, hey, that guy was wrong. I'm right. We're doing it differently now. And so that will finish up our first episode of Father, Our Father in Heaven from chapter one in the Gospel Principles Manual. And I hope you enjoyed that. And I'll see you back here for chapter two, Our Heavenly Family, next week. Thank you so much.